Hey there, and welcome to episode 36 of Neil Before Odd. I'm Audrey Kearns, your host, and my, oh my, what an interesting podcast I have for you to listen to right now. My guest is prolific actor Peter Breitmeyer. Peter has had numerous roles in television and in film. His resume includes A Serious Man, The Middle. Recently, you saw him knock it out of the park as the unforgettable Lieutenant Schmidt in season one of Fargo. You'd also recognize him as Bill the guy from another insurance company in the Progressive commercials. And and this November, Peter will be appearing in the next chapter of the Harry Potter universe in the movie Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them as a character named Gilbert Bingley, which is so cool. And we do get to talk about that. But an interesting thing happened on recording day. Peter is from Minnesota, and about an hour before we recorded this podcast, the terrible, terrible news was announced that Prince had died. We were both still processing this information when we we began recording, and I remembered he was from Minnesota and lived in Minneapolis, so I asked him if he had any memories he could share about growing up there when Prince came out on the scene. And boy, did he have some uh, great memories, including seeing Prince live many times and then getting a close-up look at an uh, old house Prince used to live in, um, sneaking up to the house, as a matter of fact. And of course, the house was purple. That's a really fun story. It was a lovely conversation about what Prince meant to us. And it was sad, and, um, but it was very cathartic after, after just hearing that news. And after we discuss that, we also talk about his uh, comedy nerd origin story and how he got into acting, studying comedy at the famed Dudley Riggs Brave New Workshop in Minneapolis. He also shares stories from the Fargo set where he worked side by side with Billy Bob Thornton and Bob Odenkirk. And then, yes, 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 yes. We talk about fantastic beasts and where to find them. I got as much information as I could out of the man without having him violate any NDAs that he signed. Uh, He told me how he got the job, the audition process, which is really interesting, what the shoot was like in England, the impeccable sets, the costumes, and uh, mustache fittings. Yes, you heard me correctly. And working with director David Yates and actor Eddie Redmayne. So please, please enjoy episode six of Neil Before Odd with my incredible guest, Peter Breitmeyer. So please enjoy episode 36 of Neil Before Odd with my incredible guest, Peter Breitmeyer. Internet, heed this call. Open your minds and ears and prepare yourself to kneel before odd. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Kneel Before Odd. I'm your host, Audrey Kearns, and this is a show where I interview geek patriots. And today my guest is stage and screen actor, Peter Breitmeyer. Peter is a versatile actor with an incredible resume, which includes a television series, Fargo, Horrible Bosses, The Middle, a serious man, and the highly anticipated upcoming film, Fantastic Beasts, and where to find them. Thanks for joining me, Peter. Thanks for having me, Odd. Odd. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Now you sound like I, my mother or my father. They start, when well, I, you said Odd, so I thought, uh, yeah, I'll it's called Neil before Odd. Yeah. yeah, that's what my parents always called me, and then my friends uh, started to call me Odd. Odge. Yeah, just like, hey, Odge, come over here. And then uh-huh. my dad heard it one day and said, I didn't name my daughter Odge. <laughs> I was like, I, 
I don't even know what that means, Dad. But yeah, yeah, just indignant for no apparent reason. You know? I guess, I guess. I will not have that in this house or this neighborhood. Exactly. And the same thing happened. My sister's name's Alicia, and she's like, "Okay, everyone, start calling me Allie." And so we all start calling her Allie. I did not name my daughter Allie. <laughs> Your dad. I need five minutes. I need. Bursts into his office and slams the door. Exactly. He's like a thirty-year military vet, so yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, all yeah. rigid yes. rules. This will not happen. This will not not stand. (laughs) Well, so I usually start my show um, asking uh, what my guest's nerd origin story is. But um, about a couple hours ago, we got some terrible news. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized when I was crying about it that you're from Minnesota. We just found out a couple hours ago that Prince died. And I was curious, uh, since you're from Minnesota and lived in Minneapolis, did he have an effect on you? Were you a fan? Yeah, I, I think me and almost everybody in Minneapolis is a is a big fan, and really, you know, Prince became prominent during a time when Minneapolis and Minnesota was just starting to get noticed by the right, rest of the country. Right, you know what right. I mean? So the fact he kind of led the way. I mean, you know, the the, the Coen Brothers made Fargo, and that became a thing too. And but Prince was kind of our guy that we'd point to and say, "See, yeah, aren't we have creative, yeah. creative people here and interesting you can't get artists more creative and stuff?" Than Prince. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you know, he built the big place out in Paisley Park, out near, in Shanhassen, which is kind of a hilarious uh, location for him to build a big studio. Why because, is that? Well, because Chanhassen is very. Is that an area of town? It's, yeah, it's a it's a suburb of Minneapolis, and it has like the Chanhassen Dinner Theater, which uh-huh. is like four different stages, and you can sit and you can have you know your chicken cordon bleu and the whole thing, which is really fun, and they're uh-huh. great productions, like very professional, very you know, and you know I do I do ran there for twenty five years or whatever. Wow. in one of the theaters, um, but it's just very mm. um, out in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think, you know, Paisley Park at one point was still had like cornfields next to it and stuff like that. You know? Wow. And I think, you know, he he built it out there to get, you know, for sound reasons and to, you know, cheap land. And, Is that know, just his there, recording so. compound or did he live there as well? Well, he it was at one point just a recording compound because when when I went to college, it, I went to a little college called Gustavus Adolphus College in, in Minnesota, and I had, a, I had a roommate my freshman year, and I went home with him one week and just for fun to see his family, and he, he lived on this lake out in Eden Prairie, and he goes, he gets me in the boat, and he goes, I want to show you something. I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, this is something kind of cool. And we get on the boat, and we ride for a while on the boat, and we kind of start to pull up, you know, but off in the distance, I see this purple, mm-hmm. just ranch-style one story and it was house purple. on a, and it was purple and it was on like it had a big like maybe three acres, mostly grass running down to, grass running down to the lake and just but the house was like structurally completely unspectacular but it was purple <laughs> and it. we dried the boat up and he's and he kind of for some reason knew that. Prince wasn't home or something like that. And there wasn't like guards or anything like that. So we pull up to his dock and we get out and we're walking around Prince's purple ranch house. Wow. You know, and he's like, and this is where Prince lives. And I was like, God, are you serious? Really? That's right here? Yeah. That is amazing. So, yeah. So that was, that was interesting. And, you know, I've seen him in concert numerous times. He Mm -hmm. gives, he gave just, he gave fantastic concerts if he really, really loved the crowd. If the crowd wasn't giving him what he wanted, he'd 
he'd have his concerts tended tended to be shorter. So you saw him so. enough times to see like different temperatures. Yeah, of, I, I think I his, saw him like yeah. four times. Yeah. you know, which is not yeah. as many as some people I know. But, right. Uh, you know, my friend Missy has seen him like gosh, I don't know how many times. And my right. friend Brad, the guy that I do progresses with, uh-huh. Brad McDonald, he's seen him tons of times. You know? Right. Right. So yeah. Anyway, it, it was it was sad news, and you know, fifty seven years old, the guy looked like he was thirty five. He, he, you know, he did. He, he did not age. And it's just yeah. like one tweet I saw today was, um, what, I th- are you trying to tell me that he was mortal? You know? Yeah. It's like we all thought Absolutely. he Because he, he didn't age. And yeah. I grew up in a really small town in Florida and um, uh, went to Catholic school yeah. and everything. So, the, you know, when I first heard Prince, um, it was just like, oh, my God, that's what you go to purgatory for, you know? <laughs> Sister Mary would be, what, he's crawling on the ground in that video exactly. when doves cry. Yeah. You know, but what was so interesting There's to me... There's stuff flowing out the end of his guitar. What, what is that what supposed that? to mean? But it also made me feel things that, not, that I course, never felt yeah. before. I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about, you know, just what, what funk can do to the body and what yeah. good music and art can do to the body. And and seeing him be sexual, like when in that video when doves cry, when he's crawling on the floor, that's something that women would do in video mm-hmm. videos, not men. Yep. And here he is, a guy doing it and being perfectly sexy and and, and Yeah, and everything. comfortable doing that and just yeah. making that choice, you know. And I saw him at uh, First Avenue, which is kind of, you know, the venue that people know about in Minneapolis because right. of Prince, even right. though it's been a music venue for a long time. And, you know, I don't even know if it's open anymore. might be. I, I, I don't recall. But, yeah, I saw him there numerous times. And just, you know, back during that time, you just couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah. you couldn't. It just was incomprehensible that somebody would perform that way, right? From Minnesota, you right, know? It right. was just so That's you were so point. you were so yeah. excited about it yeah. because it was just such a breakaway mm-hmm. manner to behave, yeah. you know. And it wasn't that we were all, you know, stoic Midwesterners and stuff like that, but it just wasn't the culture to right. to ha- be that free, right? You know what I mean? Even if you were in a rock band, you oh, know, you, you might, I mean, there's a lot of great like the replacements, like all these great bands out of Minneapolis, fantastic. But just Prince's, Prince's show, mm-hmm. the show he put on. It was, was a show. Unlike it was a piece of art. Yeah. You know, like I said earlier, you know, having a 30-year military guy for a dad, and my yeah. mom was, you know, a cryptographer for the State Department, <laughs> and I went to Catholic <laughs> school. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so there are a lot of rules in my house. <laughs> oh, God, that's so rich. That is I just know. rich. I know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God, I can... I can interview myself for an hour, um, but no, no, no. So, so um, you know, the, like I said earlier, the the feelings that he he made everybody in my small town feel, and just mm-hmm. um, in, 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 it was inspirational as well. Yeah. You know, my sister was the biggest Prince fan I knew, and she drew a symbol on a jacket, and she started a, a quote-unquote gang as much as you can in a small town in Florida called The Chosen Few, which was like, you know, a lyric from a U2 song, but with Prince's symbol, and they drew yeah. it on their jackets and everything, and, and it was just... Oh, it's important. It, yeah, were, it was such a way to important. express ourselves yeah. when we were, you know, middle school and in our teenage years, and, and he, I just... I don't know. I cried when I found out. Did you shed a tear or are you still kind of... You said you just found out an hour ago. I was a little bit... Yeah, I I was a little just kind of... I was just shocked by it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, to be honest, it's like... It's just feeling like Groundhog Day. I mean, you know, like David Bowie dies and he he was like even huger to me than Prince was, you know. And, you know, just all these people in the last year... And we're all kind of getting to the... At least I am getting to to the age 
where this is going to be a more common experience. My all husband the time. just said that this yeah. morning. It's like when you're Peter. in your 30s, you don't have, yeah. you don't, you're not surrounded by death occurring as much because your friends aren't dying right. or your friends' parents aren't dying yet. You know, so I've got all these friends with parents dying. I've, I've had a few, few friends die too. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, and now like you've got your your icons that you grew up with musically and right. theatrically and everything like that you know, passing away, like the number of actors that have done, you know, I mean, I am such, I was just the most epic Philip Seymour Hoffman fan right. ever. And that, that just one was, was a devastating to me, yeah. you know, because it makes me think like when, when people like that pass away, especially when they're not terribly old, you kind of go, that person had 30 more years of mm-hmm. artistry that they could share with us. And that's not going to happen anymore. So the only thing, the things that we have are what they did from now to the past, and that's it. That's it. You know? And so, you know, Prince at 57, it's pretty devastating. You know I mean? I'm, that's like, young, you know? Yeah, you know, when it, Joni Mitchell dies, I'm going to be a mess. Really? Because she's yeah. like my favorite right. singer-songwriter, and it's, she's had a huge impact. I mean, I know it's funny, my musical tastes are kind of all over the place. But, yeah, so I, I haven't shed a tear yet, but I, I just, because I feel like, I just feel like we've gotten hit so many times yeah. in the last year, and I'm just sort of over the last for four, four months. I mean, you know, David Bowie. Um, oh, I, I cried with that. I mean, talk about affecting people across the spectrum. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, Democrat, Republican, yeah, 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 foreign, yeah. American. It doesn't matter where you are. David Bowie affected you somehow yep. with his art. And um, I had heard rumors for about a year prior to that that he was sick. Uh And so I remember going, oh, okay, that makes sense with the rumors I heard. And then it was still absolutely horrible. Where Prince, I was just blindsided. I remember reading something last week that he was in the hospital and like you know, but they said it was the flu. He'd gotten sick, yeah, and they yeah, had and they, to fly. They had they to had land a plane in or Illinois. something like that. Yeah, and and you know now there's all this speculation. There's going to be speculation for the next three days. So I I just turned the TV yeah. off um, because at, at the I was just getting absorbed in the TV. And next thing, first thing CNN is is their first guest is is Larry King. And I'm like, mm-hmm. really, you're gonna have Larry King give. Yeah, perspective on. on Prince's death. Yeah. I, I think I need to turn. And it's like, I think you know, I part of that, I off. think, part of that can be like, part of that, I, I think, well, I, he I guess he was roaming around the studio. But you my know, husband said, he said, well, he was available. Yeah, he was available. <laughs> so that's the guy. It's like, but why? Yeah. Why yeah. him? Yeah. And I look at, like, you know, with Dave Bowie, like his last, al- you know, this album that was released, oh, you my know, goodness. so speaks so much to what. I mean, I just think it's about him knowing he was going to die. Oh, I think it absolutely <laughs> is. I think it was just like I'm. You know, this is this yeah. is my journey right now, and yeah. I'm dying, and this is what I'm going to leave, and and yeah. that's that's just oh my goodness. But you're right. We're yeah. It, God it, bless Prince, man. God, that, God. He was just man. I mean, it's just you now. I just want to you know go home and like listen. Yeah. For a day and a half. Yeah, so. which I think a lot of people will be doing. I'm sure I'll be doing that. Yeah. Uh, after you get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing that with me, you know. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So what is thank your you sure. nerd origin story? Well, I kind of have two, you know, like and like, you know, as you mentioned to me before the show, you know, it's they're not sci-fi related, but they're more related to Yeah, what are you geeky utter about? Geekdom. Yeah. Yeah. My first utter geek out. Right. In terms of comedy because you know I've always been into comedy and you know I, like my first play that I ever did was in 7th grade, you know, Little Mary Sunshine or something like that and then I did you know, all and then I just took off. Oh, <laughs> just that <laughs> rocket to the moon after that production. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. One school play after another. another. People grabbing in. at me. People <laughs> wanting me for this project and that project. No, no, I've got to do. I can't the sign your over here. Right I can't, now. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got guys and dolls to rehearse. I can't be. Uh, but uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So I started collecting. Uh, when I was very young, I started collecting Bill Cosby albums. Okay, and I ha- and it, I just think the story is interesting because of obviously what's happening oh, now with oh, Bill Cosby. When that started, and yeah, where you compared are now. to now, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I ended up with like sixteen Bill Cosby comedy albums, and I would listen to them and memorize them and kind uh-huh. of do the routines to myself. And never, I never kind of got groups together to do them for friends for some reason. I guess I was too. Were I, you doing them in the mirror? Uh, no, I would just sort of put the album on and I would kind of, I would kind of do it as he was doing it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And then I might like pause the album and see if I could kind of replicate the delivery, right. you know, and the dryness or the this or that, or the little lilts, you know? And so I would listen to these albums and I had some rare ones too. I had like one called 200 MPH, which is kind of the only, they didn't print that many of them. And, and the one that my mom wouldn't let me have was, was he had one called for adults only. And, and I, of course she wouldn't would let you have allow that one. <laughs> me to have that one. But when I was 14, I lent them to a guy named Brent. I won't say his last name. Okay. And uh, actually he ends up being a hero at the end of the story. And, he was a high school friend, and he said, oh, "Can I borrow your Bill Cosby? They're so funny." I said, "Okay, yeah, but these are really a big deal to How me." How many you know? did you lend him? Sixteen, all sixteen. Yeah, and oh, so my goodness. he he had them for a couple weeks, and I was like, "Hey, Brent, you, did you listen to those albums?" He goes, "I'm still listening to them." Blah, blah, blah. And he went to Apple Valley High School, and I was at Rosemont High School. Uh-huh. And I would do summer summer theater with those guys, you know. So I because you were making it because I was making, it. Yeah. I was doing, I was all over the place. <laughs> I was Rosemont, Apple Valley, yeah, all the southern <laughs> suburbs needed me, wanted me. <laughs> Um, so, so, uh, so I had friends at that school, but I didn't see those guys every day. So I finally, you know, I keep bugging him about him and he doesn't bring, and then he moves and then I'm sort of like, I'm young, so I'm sort mm-hmm. of forgetting about it. And, uh, you know, I, and I wasn't really, I mean, it was the one thing, one of those belongings that was important to me, but I wasn't, I've never been like a really obsessive, you know, belonging person right. as far as things. But so I just kind of, it slipped my mind for a while. I was like, oh, uh-huh. what the heck happened to those? Oh, that's Brent still got those. How do I, I don't even know how to get a hold of them. This is like way, you know, in yeah. the 80s, you know, and I couldn't find them. And, and then I kind of knew, you know, somebody said, oh, he moved to, you know, Northfield or whatever, but, you know, and I never, so I just, the albums just kind of went away, right? So, Facebook. No way. Yeah. So, so, so decades Facebook, later. Decades, freaking decades. I sign up for Facebook. I'm on Facebook for like a year, year and a half, and I go, hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait, I'm, I'm still thinking wait about those Bill Cosby. A minute, I can find that guy. So I type in Brett Brett Zimple, and it, he shows up. And I sent him a message, and as all the message said, I didn't even say hi. I didn't say anything. I sent him a message, and I said, "I want my records back." And he. To his credit, in less than five minutes, responded back with, oh my gosh, Pete, I've got them. They're in the basement. I called my wife. She's going to dig them out. They're underneath a bunch of stuff in some boxes. I'm, I'm going to ship them to you overnight. Send me your address. So I'm like, so I, I, you know, of course, and I was like, oh, Brad, thanks so much. And I sent him my address. And two days later, they show up oh my God. in this box, all 16. However, 
Yeah. Now, my wife, it's, she's very funny about this stuff because she knows I have like this little indignant sort of justice switch that right. goes, you okay. know. So I, I opened the package. So, oh, here they are. It's amazing. And this is before all the stuff had come out, you uh-huh. know, you know. And I'm looking at it and I'm thumbing through them and there's a sleeve and the sleeve is empty. <gasps> and it's the 200 MPH <gasps> album, the rare one. Right. And I'm like, I look at Michelle and I'm like, there's nothing in this sleeve. It's gone. And she looks at me and she goes, don't you <laughs> dare contact him. About, don't you dare come back at him about an album that's 30 years ago you Did gave you him that's missing. And I was like, oh. And then I flipped through more. There was a double. Oh, so it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, a fantastic story. Oh he God. probably let go of some guilt himself. He did. He felt really good about it, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It was hilarious to me that, you know, he, you know, moved out of his parents' house, had gotten married, had moved, like he'd probably moved six times since yeah. I'd seen him. And he was lugging this box of, you he know. He still had, he didn't try to sell them. Yeah. He, he didn't try to. It was really funny. What's your other nerd origin story? My nerd, my other one is the, is, uh, you know, that I was really into Avalon Hill uh, war board games when I was a kid, uh-huh. like Blitzkrieg, and, right, right, and you know Africa Corps and Invasion of Crete and the Third Reich and all these like those little games that have like little squares that represent uh-huh. divisions and armies right, and right. stuff like that. And there and there's 45 pages of rules. You know, it's just uh-huh. super it's complicated. It even has like the Marshall Plan in it, and it's it has economics where you have to buy mm-hmm. all the troops and all you right, know, and you right. get B, you get these BRPs which are money. You know, and if you invade, then you get twenty extra ones because you have Romania now, That's you know, fantastic. and it was just like, I, you know, I used to play those with my, my friend, Sean, and they would take, the game would take 12 hours. You couldn't play it like Monopoly in like an hour and a half. You'd play like, and then you'd walk away from it. And you'd come back the next weekend and try to finish, you know, half the time you wouldn't finish. It'd be yeah. like, ah, oh, when is 1945 ever going to come? There, there, <laughs> there, I used to work at this gaming company and um, a lot of the testers would play a a tabletop game during uh, their lunch break, and they had this fancy cover to put over the board game so that nothing was touched. Absolutely, uh, you know, for the next twenty four yeah. hours. Before Nobody they... can fiddle with it, can they? Can Nobody they? can switch out, you know, the SS Core fifteen and yeah, move it over to the Belgian countryside. This, damn it! <laughs> I, you know, I just uh, I, I was I never played that many board games, but I have been recently because um, we've been covering them on my site, Geek Girl Authority, and um, I'm getting a bunch of games sent to me by companies and stuff like that. And so my friend, Matt Young, um, I, he's like, well, let's go play Eldritch Horror. It's, it's, it's a Lovecraft game, and uh-huh. this, this, and this. It's fucking five hours. Oh, it just takes for fucking ever. I, I, told, I told my husband, I was like, I'll be home in a couple hours. He's texting me. It's like, it's like one o'clock in the morning. He's like, are you okay? Where are you? I was mm-hmm. sleeping, and now you're not here. I'm like, we're still playing this fucking game. <laughs> yeah, a year and a half ago, my friend Keith Ray and his mm-hmm. wife brought over Settlers of Catan. Oh, yeah, Boom, yeah. Done. I could, like... You know, and I, the problem is, is that, you know, I have a life and I have a son and I'm married and I have a career and blah, blah, blah. And I want to play board games more. Yeah. I want to get back into my geek games. Uh-huh. I even went, like, over time, the ones that I had got literally musty. Like, yeah. they literally got, like, mold inside of them in the boxes. Oh, wow. And I had to toss them because I thought if I open this, I'm probably going to die, like, unearthing a mummy <laughs> in Egypt. You know, there's <laughs> some spore intake that's going to happen. You're going to create a pandemic. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll be, I'll be in, like, Cedars like we have no idea, ma'am, what your husband ingested. We, you know, it doesn't. It's a sport that does not no longer you know, exists in the modern all era. Of Los Angeles is dead because you. Yeah, opened, because I opened up, you, you know, my old box. copy of you know Panzer Leader. <laughs> 
those damn Nazis. <laughs> yeah, the damn Nazis get they got me again. <laughs> Sixty years later, the entire nation was put to death. So yeah, so I, I want to get back into playing some of those fun games. And there's this great place in Glendale. Have you heard there? Um, oh, what's the name? It's Game near my. House? Yeah, Game House. It's yeah. really close. My wife has a shop called Treehouse, which okay. is on Glendale Boulevard in that Atwater Village area. Uh, it's nice and area. Uh, we go to, and it's, every once in a while, we'll go down to Game House and you know play. But I, yeah. I just love the idea of like walking in. There's like sixteen hundred games yeah. on the wall. What should we learn? You know, and yeah. we just I don't have enough time for it, but it would be fun to do it. Yeah, know? we did it once. Yes, yeah, uh, we just played that game. I'm showing. Peter, I the got Game this of Game of Thrones, Thrones trivia okay, game where it's not just trivia. You're actually trying to take over Westeros. I don't know if you watched the show or read the book. And then under that is Warhammer Quest. And I have to give that, that to a friend because uh-huh. I'm not into Warhammer. And that's going to be like a 10-hour game, like wow. you said. Yeah. And then I have a Star Wars one. You know, it's and, just the, it's the updated yeah. current versions of, of uh, you know, of uh, what's the game that everybody played when we were in high school? Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. you know, which I played yeah. like once or twice, but right. just never quite... Got around to getting into, you know. Do you feel like you failed because you never became a dungeon master? You know, I don't like the question. I don't like what's implied by it. <laughs> okay. I'm being, look, I asked I mean, the hard know, questions I, on Neil before. I'm odd. an actor. I need to play a character, not the dungeon master guy. <laughs> That's more utilitous. Okay, well, then you're well, missing out on something I guess in I life. am. I'm I guess just... I, on grid paper with pencils and <laughs> <laughs> creating a little maze. <laughs> Because that's what my friend used to do. He yeah. would like do this. He'd spend hours right, making right. like a dungeon, and he'd sit there with the twenty-six sided dice. You know, I mean, the couple of times I played, and I was like, uh-huh. "This game is a interminable, uh-huh. and B has like every variable you could possibly imagine." It is you know? pretty, <laughs> pretty insane. Yeah. I have to admit, I never got into dungeons in, in, yeah. in, in Dragons. I, although I do know a guy, um, uh, you know, Wendy McClendon Covey, her husband. Um, just created a new booklet for Dungeons and Dragons, and there's oh god, there's an acronym I can't remember what it is, but it's old rules. This is rules from the like whenever it first came out. Uh, like I guess over the decades, it's evolved, evolved into new yeah. rules. But it's like for people that are really purists, and purists want to go, go back to the core. Want to go back of to what the core. it was all about? Yeah, and yeah. Um, I didn't understand any of it, so I sent it to a friend who did to review it <laughs> because I couldn't. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be It's fair. like reading a technical manual. <laughs> it's like, it's no, like, I don't, I, under, going, even the language, yeah. like somebody tried to teach you how to play, you know, 500 or Pfeffer, and it's all they do is use 500 and Pfeffer terms to teach you how to play 500. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I don't know work. what that means. <laughs> Normal language. So you just lift the dwinkle and turn it on. I don't, what's the dwinkle? Oh, a twinkle. You know what the dwinkle is? <laughs> Like a dreidel? Is it? I'm confused. But you were, now, you were born in California and moved to Minnesota, right? Yeah, I was born in uh, Monrovia, Arcadia area and lived there until I was about 12. A uh, little time in Highland Park, uh, some time in Temple City when I was really young. And then I uh, moved to Minneapolis-St. Paul with my mother and my dad. You know, they got divorced. My dad stayed out here. My mother moved there. And um, we moved there with my mother's second partner my mother came out when i was 11 uh-huh. years old and her uh partner was this woman who was a minister at mcc metropolitan community church was right. just like a gay church that was created by troy perry in like the 60s i think uh-huh. and so we she was transferred and my mom wanted to stay with her so we went to minnesota you know and, and you know the whole time on the drive there thinking about ticks and tornadoes 
Yeah. That's as a kid, you're like, well, they have ticks. I'm going to get ticks all over me in Minnesota. And there's tornadoes. Oh, my God. The tornadoes are going to hit my You, you didn't think about the winter at all? Uh, the winter, for some reason, didn't stress. Like, I thought, oh, it's going to be cold. Oh, that's not... I don't know, it was cold. You know, I mean, then you're there and you're like, yeah. it's terrible, you know. Right. Like, I remember standing in sixth grade, the first year we were there, standing on the, because they st- you're still at like a bus stop, uh-huh. standing at the bus stop in the middle of winter, it's 30 below, and I've got like the cone jacket on, yes. like the like the, yes. the Arctic kind where yeah. it like, comes out like a foot in, foot in front of your face, uh-huh. and <clears throat> boots and the uh-huh. whole thing. And the girl standing next to me who's 11 years old has no hat on because she doesn't <laughs> want to muss her hair, no earmuffs. She's wearing regular shoes because, like, big boots are ugly, you know. And Fashion just, is and more kind important. of an okay yeah. coat, you right, know. And right. it's like freezing out, you know. So that was a that was a big shock. And my sister and I got teased in middle school a lot because we were outsiders, you know. Uh-huh. Eventually, we kind of warmed our way in. But yeah, so I lived there, and you know, and then grew you, up in the southern suburbs. And then, then you made then, it as an actor after you got that first. Uh, that first uh, play and when you're oh, in yeah. well, once the once the play started rolling in at Gustavus Adolphus College. No, no, here's something I read about you. Um, huh? and, and believe I've done this is my thirty sixth episode and you are the second person that studied theology in college yep. and became a comedian that I've interviewed. Interesting. Yeah. Who else? Who his, else? His name's Matt Key. He oh, went actually to actually up. a seminary school, okay. and then was studying. Theology yeah, I wasn't there, in seminary. I mean, I never, s- my degree finished. was in like theology yeah. and history. Uh-huh. Uh But uh, and I, I was going to go to. I, I was. I wanted to go to Chicago Theological Seminary and become like a professor. Right. You know, my mom wanted me to be a minister, so my mom kept telling everybody, "Pete's going to be a minister," and I was uh-huh. wanted to study. You know, be a professor, or whatever. But what I really wanted to do was be an actor. But I just didn't think I could do that. I thought, well, who right. does that? That, you right. Know. <clears throat> and then a week before I graduated, I th- I thought I, I don't I don't want to do that. Right. I want to be a fucking actor. So yeah. I I um so I went to the cities and you know I got like an inter- <laughs> but then I got to the cities and I sort of I went to Dudley's Brave Workshop and got in the work you know the classes which is basically which like, is a super it's second famous, city it's a yeah super very famous. famous and it's like second yeah. it's the second city of Minneapolis right, it's been around right. since the fifties you know. And I took classes there, but I was sort of like, well, I can't, you know, I can't really be an actor. So what I'll do is I'll go into theater administration. I'll go into development where the big money is. And, <laughs> the you know, big I, money is. <laughs> <laughs> and I got like an internship at yeah. the Illusion Theater, which they uh, were very sweet to me and very great. Yeah. They, they gave me parking money and money for lunch. And right, I had this right. internship, you know. And then while I was there, you know, the artistic director said, hey, do you want to audition for this show? And then I auditioned for the show and got in and then kind of just kept right. So I did commercials there and voiceover. And I did films when it came to town. I was in Jingle All the Way, and I was yeah. in Drop Dead Fred there. You know, some other. I, I like, remember Drop Dead. You know, Fred. and just yeah. I was Go to Hell Herman and Drop Dead Fred. Oh, you know, oh. and then shot some TV there, but mostly like commercials and, right. and VO. During this time, um, and stage was stuff. your mother concerned about your choice, or since you started, you know working, what? Never. That's great. My, that's the thing about my family. That's I have great. never. I hear all these stories from people like, "Oh, my family isn't supportive," and my uncle teases mm. me, and I go home, and my mom is like, "You know, when are you going to get?" a real job and you really should have got that in engineering and, and my mother and my family had never one time never one time ever said anything to me that to make me doubt that I could do this you know when I would bring up backup plans it would be me and right. my mom would say well you know okay well, I guess that's a backup you know mm-hmm. but she never suggested it you know mm-hmm. there was a funny time when I was living it with my mom and Egan when I first got out of college and I needed to get a temp job and I got this, te- I signed up for this temp agency <laughs> and they sent me to, uh, uh, 
oh no, it's not. It wasn't like it's not, it's like it was a company like Raytheon. Like it was an it was a a military uh, contractor wow. company that needed. You know, it wasn't Raytheon. It was it was uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but it was in Egan, and uh-huh. it was like maybe three miles from my mom's house. And so every day I would go to this Raytheonish company. And I would work in the vault mm-hmm. where they have all the drawings of everything, you know. And then the vault, you're, you know, if there's a fire, you're supposed to throw everything in the vault and ch- close the right, vault, right. that kind of thing. But they, you know, they had crap everywhere, you know. And my, so I would get up in the morning, I'd get ready to go, and my mom, was, my mom would look at me and say, "Well, off to the bomb factory." <laughs> Which they didn't make bombs, but they made like naval missile guidance systems or something like that. For six months, I worked this bizarre job for no reason, like just because it was there. But you you attempt, I mean, they didn't give you like a security test or anything. No, they had me in the vault with the drawings. But the thing is, when you think about a vault with drawings, you know, there isn't a, it isn't like the drawings art of, you know, Dr. Evil's missile on a, on a pay, on a big, you know, blueprint. (laughs) Right, right. It's literally a drawing of a bolt. You know, ah. a metric bolt with like, right. it, or it's a drawing of a of a little plate with two holes in the two exact locations. Like, there's there's nothing discernible about any of these drawings because they're all just microcosms of, the, the, of the broader yeah, to the layman. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they didn't give me any secure. There was no security clearance. There was oh, nothing like that. It was just, and I work. It was me and like all women, and it was just the weirdest job. But then I, you know. I went to Duddy Riggs. Duddy Riggs, I was in the classes. They hired, they said, hey, do you want to be in this show as an intern? <gasps> you know, $50 a week. Yeah. I was so excited. Yeah. And then I met Mo there. And then they extended the show and they hired me full time. Uh-huh. It was $150 a week. And then they hired me on as a company member for $265 plus, you know, health insurance. You know. Wow. So I thought I was, I had made, and it was really was a, quite a training ground, like like so many improv sketch comedy places out Don't, here. You had and, all those comedy albums when you were a kid. So you obviously like comedy. Did you know growing up that you had an ability to do comedy? Did you know that until you got to Dudley Riggs? I or? was a very insecure performer for many, many years. And uh, even when I was at Dudley Riggs, I, I knew that people thought I was funny. I knew I could do comedy, but I, I never had, I kind of lacked a certain level of confidence unless I was absolutely in the moment and forgetting about whether or not I was being any good, right, right. was any good or not. But I think I grew up there quite a bit. And, yeah, um, yeah. and I, I started to learn how to write as well yeah. there, you know, and I think I left that place maybe a year too early. I think I was sort of at my peak of writing and then I left and went to do theater at other theaters and stuff like that in, in town. But yeah, I think, I mean, I loved doing comedy because, and I learned so much from those people. And I learned a lot from Mo too, working with her. Just Mo the, Collins. Yeah, just yeah. the, about the level of just being in the moment mm-hmm. and letting things kind of wash over you and affect mm-hmm. you and listening and, yeah. and you know, <clears throat> so yeah, it's, it was, it was great. But I mean, I, I, I get, when you, when you look at my resume, you can see, I, I do, I get cast in a lot of diverse things. I don't just do comedy. Like, I, you know, I end up getting, you know, I'm one week I'm in CSI and then I'm in Serious Man and then, and then I'm in the middle and, yeah. and, and it's interesting. I, it's been an interesting ride for me. I, I feel like I fit out here and I have a, a strong yeah. place here, but it's, I seem to get plugged in yeah. all well, over the place. Well, my snobby point of view, because I did a lot of um, sketch comedy and growing up, um, when I was younger and had a really popular group, and my husband's an incredible improviser, and um, uh, it's, I, I, it, it's such a hard thing. It's like what you were saying about listening and being mm-hmm. in the moment. It's such a hard thing to do. I think people with comedy backgrounds actually make better 
actors, you know, mm-hmm. better dramatic actors as yeah. well, because, you know, I think it's harder for a dramatic actor to do something funny than vice versa. I really agree with yeah. that. And I know that's kind of an old pat thing to say. Yeah, I there's know. Something it's been sort of, said, but there's know, but, a but I think it's true, yeah. I mean, because I think that the, the fact is, is that the best dramatic performance you've, you've ever seen have been with people who understand, even in the darkest sense, mm-hmm. what is hilarious about the human condition in that moment that they're living through in that right. part of the story, as opposed to the exclusion of that, of how hilarious mm-hmm. that darkness can right. be, right. you know, because you feel like this is a dramatic scene. So why would there be anything funny about it? And right. it's like, well, when you function through your day in yeah. your own human condition, you're constantly seeing evidence yeah. of how funny your life is, no matter how sad it can be. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I remember so, during my. <clears throat> father's funeral um which was you know which sucked yeah it sucked. of course of course that sucks and um it, it was at a, at a catholic chapel and uh um we had to pick my mom said i don't want to pick out the music because she was going through obviously a very hard, hard time so she made us pick out the music and uh-huh. I, i'm not a practicing catholic anymore or anything but i remembered this one song from catholic school and i was like oh have them sing that and so, um, and I remember it being a really soothing song when I was a kid. And me and my sister are in the in sitting during the funeral, and um, the military has showed up, folded with the flag, which is very emotional when they yeah. do that and everything. And they have this woman leading the music, and she starts singing this song that I loved so much when I was a kid. It was called "Be Not Afraid," and it was very soothing. And all of a sudden, you hear from the back of the church, it's, "Be not afraid." You know, she was singing it just like that, and. The song was really for me and my sister, not my other siblings, because they didn't go to Catholic school. And all we could do was laugh. We were laughing so hard to the point where people were looking at us like we were being rude, but it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect moment, and you needed that kind of catharsis. Yeah, that's ideal. I mean, that could not, you couldn't write that. That's just the perfect thing. Yeah, I I could. I mean, in that that context, too, I remember thinking, you know, people ask me, like, well, did you get, you know, studying theology and history, how did that help you in any way in in your work that you do now? And I have to say that, you know, especially when I started working at Riggs and writing and, uh, you know, in, in, in the acting work as well, Studying about why and how people believe is really kind of an impacting thing, whether it's in a theological sense or just belief in general, you know. Right, right. And and also, you know, it's a very, uh, you know, studying philosophical theology or so, like studying these kinds of fields, like a, you know, you really your mind goes from thinking of the world in this narrow space to thinking mm-hmm. of the world with your arms wide open, and you're trying to incorporate. A lot of ideas, and it's very you, you know, it's very mind expansive, and it's right. and it's very. This is this is why I'm such a big book learning advocate about you know having a liberal arts education because I think that it, it teaches you to think in ways that you never would know that they would never think in in on your own, and it, you're being pushed to do that, and you and you're getting to places that you wouldn't get on your own without the guidance of somebody who's taught people in the liberal arts mm-hmm. to make you go there you know mm-hmm. so that's why there's a degree of trust when we go mm-hmm. get our education we have to believe that the that the institution knows something about right. educating people more than we do right. even though in the end we create our own space for that and we right. we create we create our own ideas about it we have to trust that well they say I should take you know English 101, so I guess I have to take it. And then you take it, and you're like, oh, that was yeah. fascinating. I did, I've never read a book that way. Yeah. I've never looked at a book that way. So I think that 
all those things have for me have translated in my life as an actor to make my performance, I think, richer and more complex, not to sound like I'm going, blah, 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 when no. I was in the theater. But it really it really does, I think No, you're does. absolutely right. You know, I always knew I wanted to be an actor when I was a kid, you know, but I was, uh, you said you were really insecure. I was very insecure, very sheltered, very shy. I have um, obsessive compulsive disorder, oh, okay. you know, so I get very, you know, so when I'm in the moment, it is an amazing thing. That's why I love acting so much. When I'm in the stage, I can be in the moment, which is something I'm not able to do mm-hmm. in my regular life, you know, yeah. but I'm able to do that on stage and it's a wonderful screen oh my gosh it's bliss you know and um after a night of that you're like oh my god it's just like like, like yeah it's it's endorphins it's everything you know um so going to college was very important to me going from such a you know a sheltered household to to college and i majored in theater and to make my parents happy in in foreign politics as well Mm -hmm. so i had a a double degree and um i was just a sponge for that kind of stuff you know Mm -hmm. i just would want to sit there and i'd sit there and listen especially my foreign politics class because I really have, you know, because of my back, my parents' background and interest in that, mm-hmm. you know, I'd become a sponge. But my English teacher, you just reminded me, you know, I, was, I had to take it. It was called a Gordon Rule class back in Florida. You had to take and you had to write so many words to get your, and it, um, you could pass the class. And the guy's name was Dr. Check. He says, you guys want to write a paper a week or do you want to do one term paper? And everyone said, let's do a paper a week. And I never knew I could write until that class. You know, mm-hmm. like he said, okay, this week you guys write a poem. This week you guys do this. And he would read the best ones out every week. And every week mine, he wouldn't say the names, but every single week mine That's was there. And, and it was very, because I would never share my writing with anybody. And then he said, you can write a beat poem this week or write a short story. So everybody wrote a beat poem and I wrote a 15 page short story and he gave me the paper back and he said audrey this 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 is great this reminds me of ellen gilchrist of ann tyler and um um, a couple more female writers he says please promise me keep writing never stop writing then all caps keep writing exclamation point it was all over my paper never and i did never wrote again for 20 years i acted and i did all that stuff just because i didn't want to I'm scared to share, you know, the, yeah. the anonymity of that class where he wouldn't read my name, say my name out loud. And about uh, five or six years ago, um, when I got my diagnosis with the OCD, that made my life make sense. Mm-hmm. And then I just started writing again. And I, I wrote a show. And now I write for a site, and I'm I write all the time now. But it That's just took fantastic, yeah. But it took like and that 20 fear years, yeah. that controls you and keeps Oof. you from doing it. You know, it's like yeah. I have spent years feeling that, and I still feel that now a lot of times. It's that sense of like, if you write something brilliant and mm-hmm. people people feel really feel affected by it and think it's impressive, in some sense that puts more pressure on you. It's like, right. well, now there's an expectation of right, me. Right. And so I, I, have to yeah. ba- I feel like I have to back off yeah. from that. You know, yeah. And I think that's kind of an experience that a lot of people have. And I know that I've had that where, like I had you know, the, the, that one professor that wrote on the front of this paper that I had did, you know, if anybody ever asks you if you can write, show them this. Oh, wow. You know, and it what was just compliment. like, so, and this yeah. guy was a hard ass. Uh-huh. I mean, he beat the crap out of you in class wow. in a good way. You know, mm-hmm. you'd write you could you'd write like a four page paper, and he would write three pages single spaced notes about your four page paper as long as well as the redlining inside the paper. You know, so he was committed mm-hmm. to teaching young mm-hmm. people how to how to write. You know, do you find time to write now? Because um, you're working so much on, as an actor I mean, right now. I, I, you know, 
I want to do more. And in fact, I've, I've kind of set aside a space for myself at my house. I have, I created a new office and I, I got to finish you know, getting it together. I have a production company called Pumpkin Eater Productions. Uh-huh. And so far I've got, I'm working with a couple of different properties and I produced a play, uh, almost main last, last December, which was great, uh, a year ago. But, um, I have, I'm working with, uh, uh, two writers right now on projects, uh, and you know one of them. One of them is a great script that's basically um, bridesmaids, but takes place in the North Dakota oil boom. Uh-huh. You know, so it's. And another one is sort of an art caper, wonderful uh, sort of uh, Da Vinci Code slash nice. you know recovery thing about these two addicts who uh-huh. own a gallery and they end up with a Rembrandt accidentally. Um, but. You know, so working on that stuff with it, but like, I wish I really need to get myself to write more. Uh, I think I, I think I would be surprised at what I have to say. You know, right. I have a, a couple of stories in me that I really, really want to get down, but mm-hmm. I feel like I've been busy doing being an actor and being yeah. a dad and being yeah. and, and doing other projects and doing other people's projects. I've mm-hmm. spent my life mostly doing other people's projects yeah. and not my own. Yeah. And there's this fear about doing your own because you got to pick the phone up more often. And you gotta, you know, you gotta connect with people, and you gotta finish Ain't things, and you truth. got, and you know, and your yeah. stuff is what represents. Well, you know, so. when, when I heard that news that Prince died this morning, so I'm, I'm crying, you know, and, and and you were running late, so that gave me more time to cry. Uh-huh. And I'm looking over lyrics and all this stuff, <laughs> and Prince, yeah. and and I, I was reading, uh, you know, Let's Go Crazy because that one just popped up online, mm-hmm. and it's just like, you know, um, uh, God, what was now I can't remember the line. Um, you got to live your life before the Grim Reaper comes knocking at your door. And I was just like, oh, when Peter leaves, I'm actually going to work on my project today. And so yeah. I'll see if I do it. Because I, I spend so much time on my website, my pop culture website, that the pilot I'm writing, it's just, it's so easy to put it. Well, yeah. I've got to do this, so let oh me put gosh. this down. I mean, I've been working know? on a screenplay for my da- about my yeah. dad's life. My dad, mom and dad were like 16 years apart. And uh-huh. when my mom came out, it was like my dad's whole world exploded and he didn't understand. And like, right, and right, he, and right. then he became, and then he sort of lived as life alone but in but very um in love with these different women that he thought he was going to get remarried to and and he had a really he was a fascinating guy and and really beautiful devoted guy and great dad and but it's just this really interesting story about a man out of time you know and Mm -hmm. i and it's on cards you know uh, it's, it's, At least it's you got a, it's to that cards, place, you know, though. You got to the place where you know, the cards are. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you so got to write it. It sits around, but yeah. yeah, I'll get to it. And that's a story you know personally. Oh, I know. So I, that, I, I, yeah. I, you know, I've got like three things that I want to write because yeah. I know that you should, you know, if you if you haven't done a lot of writing, it's really good to do what you know to start, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I that's what I feel like I should be doing. But anyway. So, um, you know, you, you got a serious man with the Coen brothers while you were in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. right? And then you're out here in L.A., and then you get in Fargo, the mm-hmm. television series, which they just EP'd on. They really didn't have much yeah, to do they with that. Much of, they, they just they, put their names on it, They basically. were kind of like, yeah. you know, go forth and make good yes. series. And you know. put our names on yeah, it so we get a, some money. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it's Noah Holly thing and everything, right? Is yeah, that the, Noah, Noah yeah. just like the, the god of writing. I mean, the dude wrote all 10 episodes on his own, the first, well, you know. One, which I'll get to. One of yeah. your lines is one of my favorite all-time lines yeah. in history of history. So my... Uh, very good friend Kelly Holden, who played, um, who introduced us, who played Pearl Nygaard in that show. Her audition process was like really quick. You know, she went in for audition, a callback, and then she got the part. And she said it went by so 
quick. It was very strange. Was your audition process different from that? Because uh, you had such a meaty role yeah, I had a weird, as Lieutenant Schmidt. Yeah, yeah. Lieutenant Schmidt, who was a, it was a great part. I was I got to work with Bob, Bob Odenkirk, and I got to, I, mean, I worked with Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton. Mm, I mean, it was Hanks just I was like yeah. watching work with you know Colin. I was like watching yeah. other other people at the top of their game working yeah, and yeah. like just soaking it up, you know. Uh, but my my thing was is that we. Uh, I was trying to get into audition for that thing, yeah. and uh, in Rachel Tenner's office because my wife and son and I were going on a trip to Indonesia to visit oh. to stay with a friend of ours who lives in Bali for a while and explore. Where I subsequently dislocated my shoulder terribly in the jungle and ended up changing the trip substantially, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Um, but we were gonna, we were going to leave, and I was like, I, I really want to. Can you get me in on this? You know, uh, my agents at Ellis Talent, my wonderful agents Pam and Gabby, I was like, can you get me in? Can you, you know? And they're like, we're sending your messages, but just it's not happening, and blah blah, you know. And so I didn't get in before we left, and right. I was really like, kind of bummed, you know, just bummed. But I was yeah. like, okay, well, so we went on our trip, and I get home, and it's like a jet lag, insane jet lag, you know, coming back, and I'm just like out of my mind. But I, I get home, and I call them and say, I'm back, I'm home. I know that you knew this was the date, but I'm just telling you I'm here. And she goes, Oh my gosh, I'm going to call Rachel right now and see if I can get you in. And I was like, Oh, that, that would be, and I'm like spinning and going, Yeah, right, that would right. be great. Ugh. You're like yeah. on drugs. You know, and I'm like, Oh my God, okay. <laughs> so she calls me back like a half hour later and she goes, Tomorrow, 10 30. Oh and I'm like, I'm, I'm out, I'm, like I'm sick. I'm actually yeah. physically sick from the trip because, you know, the, you get a, you know, on the plane, you'll get a cold. Yeah, so, yeah. so I'm like, I'm feeling, I'm starting to feel ill. Having landed and finally my body finally saying, okay, now I can get sick because yeah. we're not in a door. Yeah, you know, yeah. we, don't, we don't have the the adrenaline running up from traveling and mm-hmm. stuff. And so I'm like, my must, you know, I, I rally, I muster, I get, I get, and I end up reading for Bob Odenkirk's part. Uh-huh. I, they spring me in to read this the scene where he's uh, taking her off the case in, in the uh-huh. in the coffee shop, you know. Uh-huh. So I go in and read that and and think I did pretty well, you know, mm-hmm. and Rachel's great and she likes me and she's always been a great advocate for me and I she, I adore her. So I was like, it's like, okay. And so I, I walk out the door, you know, smiles. I start walking down the staircase to get to my car and every step I took down the staircase, I got sicker and sicker. Oh, like, then your body's fi- like, the body really finally d- let go. Like, okay, now you can get sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So driving home in the car. It didn't I'm even just let you get mess. home. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, you know. And I, I get back and I don't hear anything mm-hmm. for a while. You know, and I don't hear anything, and I don't hear anything, and I'm like, oh shoot, mm-hmm. well, okay. And weeks later, she says they want you to come in and read for this other thing. So when I go in the second time, I go in, and Noah's in the room, and Rachel's in the room, and Warren Littlefield is in the room. Oh wow! You know, okay. and so this time it's like there's all three there. Yeah. Did you know they were going to be in the room? Um, I think I did. Uh-huh. I didn't know that Warren was going to be there. Right. I, I, I thought Noah would be there, but um, and I just killed it. I just killed it, mm-hmm. you know. I just killed it because I was just in the moment, and it was just so. Mm-hmm. It was just was very. It was the, just the scene where I'm in the in the can, mm-hmm. and he comes in, and I come storming out of the thing. And they go, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Yeah. You know, it's that scene. You know, and I just kind of killed it. Yeah. And then they looked at me, and they kind of give you that stare. Like sometimes actors misinterpret the stare. They think the stare is like the, I'm being judged uh-huh. when the stare is really the wheels are turning inside the people casting. Every, like, yeah. And like, wait a minute, yeah, this guy okay. could fit right here, you know. Yeah. And it, Warren told me later after I left the room, he looked at Noah and he said, 
Well, he could do it. <laughs> it was like the and, minimalist, you know. And then I heard, boy, you did it. You know, I yeah. heard. I heard later. Uh, it took a while to hear again, you know. Yeah. But I did hear, and uh, and then I just I went to Canada and did it. And it was so what's the like, I mean, it's so interesting that there, there's a show that takes place in Minnesota. It was created in LA, but then it was shot in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so crazy. It's all economics, you know. What was the most intimidating part? Was it Billy Bob Thornton? Or Bob, yeah, I mean. uh, Billy Bob was really sweet to me. I, I he came into the green room and I was meeting him for the first time, and I just said, "Hey, you know, I'm Peter Breitmeyer." And he looked at me and he said, "We have a, we kind of have a connection, don't we?" And I was like, "We do." We do. <laughs> and what might that be, sir? So? And his my friend Nick Shank was working on a on writing that he had been hired to develop a show for Billy Bob Thornton to be the lead, you know. Uh-huh. And Nick had had some meetings with yeah. him, and Nick had mentioned to him, "Oh, my buddy got cast in this," and, yeah. and I think you know he just remembered the names, sort yeah. Of, you know, but I was all excited that he looked at me and said, "We had yeah. a connection, blah, blah, dee, 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 dee. Yeah. you know. And I and then I started to lick him all over about. Uh, Sling Blade because Sling Blade's like one of my favorite movies movie. and he was telling me the stories of making Sling Blade and you know and it, it was very fun and, well, and then I went, I, I went out to eat with yeah. Marty with uh, Marty Freeman and you and call Bob him Marty Orton. Marty well, at I, the time yeah. well no no when, when Kelly Holton was here and she was yeah. talking about him she she said Marty too and I was like oh Marty well Kelly Freeman. has his number in her phone I don't I have that I didn't have like when I went to England to shoot Fantastic Beasts and I came back. Kelly goes, "Well, did you get a hold of Marty while you were there?" I was like, "No, I didn't feel. It just didn't enough. quite yeah. feel like I should try to get a hold of him. I, I, you know, I, I had dinner with him when he in Canada, mm-hmm. and we'd worked together. And then I, him and like it was so exciting to sit and have dinner with Bob Odenkirk and Martin mm-hmm. Freeman, and it's some little Chinese restaurant yeah. in some corner, yeah. you know. And they're just and we're all cracking each other up yeah. and talking, you know. And and uh, so that was, I mean, that was you know, but to watch. I mean, Billy Thornton is amazing because of his stillness and his ability to communicate so much. Mm-hmm. But Mar- and but Marty Friedman is a different kind of thing going on altogether, and it's just He's, really such a big fascinating yeah. to watch him do yeah. his thing. It's and everybody like everybody on it to the small like all the the separate character, all the smaller characters were passed so brilliantly. That's mm-hmm. the show. I think it's really seriously not just because I'm on it. I, I seriously think that the first season of Fargo is one of the best pieces of TV that's ever been that's, on television. That's undeniable. And then they followed it up with an amazing second season, yeah. which is like, what are they going to do with the great. second season? And then they do that shit with the second season, which yeah. was great. And what you, I guess it was what you auditioned with. My, my favorite line was when you're talking to Colin Hanks and you're telling him he screwed up and he has to look through the mug book. It's like, you're going to tell him that you screwed up you, absolving the rest of us from any dipshittery. Yeah, and you know? that's the one that everybody always says to me on the yeah. street, like, hey, a, dipshittery! Yeah, or, I mean, it, it, yeah. it immediately became part of our, our lexicon. lexicon yeah. You know, and so that's it must great. be great to get your script and read that and think, I get to say oh that God, line. That was the greatest. When I read that for, before I had the audition, I thought, I get to actually say, say that. This. And I thought... I, I was doing the thing where, like, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, do that actor pitfall where it's the line so fun to say yeah. that you're leaning on it because right. of how great, yeah. how much, how exciting it is, because yeah. like, how well written it is, you know. Because that's hard not to do when you're just loving it, that, <laughs> you're that, relishing it. That's fantastic! Yeah, that what good. a what a joy for you to, yeah, was to have. I, that was a that was a great been opportunity. On the show. Um, what do you think of the? Um, were you surprised at the cult fandom around it? Uh, not for some, not really. Yeah. I, I thought uh, people are going to, I mean, there's really going to be a, I, the thing I was surprised at was, to be honest, was after it was over, 
um, I wasn't busy. Okay. Yeah. And, and were you expecting phone calls? Well, to start yeah, coming I, I thought in? there'd be more, but what my manager was telling me was that she said, you know, you're not going to believe this, Pete, but I'm calling to get you into meetings and stuff like that. And I'm saying, you know, he's in, he's a, he was a recurring on Fargo and he's got cast. She, she said she had cast directors saying, oh, I haven't seen that yet. What? Like so many people were like, no, I haven't seen that. Of all people, casting directors yeah, cast should be keeping it, you know. up and, with and what's no going on. No offense, because casters have a very difficult job. There's yes, a lot of yes, things to yes. watch. But I mean, it's Fargo. It's, it's the Fargo series. It won awards. It was like, it was like how can hit. you not yeah, watch yeah. that? And I think only in the last like year, people have sort of gone back and caught up to yeah. watch the first season and then the yeah. second season. You know, And that's kind of the way of yeah. things now where people can actually miss an entire season, but because yeah. of binging and all that stuff, you get exactly. to go And of course, as an actor, since back, you're so insecure, you're like... Well, why aren't I really busy? Did I suck? Yes, I must have sucked. It's all me. They must hate. They must have hated what I'm I did. Never on work again. Yeah, I mean, that's right away your oh thing. Because why God. wouldn't I be busy? Based on you know this popular show. But, I yeah. got a great segue for um, yeah. asking you about Fantastic Beasts let's, and where to find them. I'm, I'm proud of my segue. But someone pointed out to me in an interview when I said that before, it's like, Audrey, you shouldn't announce your segues, but I can't help them. No, can't I think help you it should. Because, I think you uh, need to. Thank you. I, thank you, you. It's just, it's as rich as pointing at the joke. Hey, thank you, you so much. You need <laughs> to announce your segues. <laughs> when I was... <laughs> I was interviewing uh, Kelly Holden. Um, she was talking about the the fandom uh-huh. behind Fargo, and she said the weirdest thing was, you know, which it was Tumblr. Which I don't know if you're familiar with Tumblr. I am. I love Tumblr. Yeah, I, I'm not on it, but I know what it is. It's where super fans go to make memes and post their fan art and everything. Okay. And she said, I don't know if she told you about this, that a fan of Fargo took the sorting hat from Harry Potter. You know, her own. Uh-huh. Sorting Hat in her imagination and sorted the whole cast of Fargo season one. Really? Yeah. What so, did they? Where they put me? I didn't. See I that. well, I didn't know you then. We'll have uh, to ask Kelly. I'm curious. Kelly's like Kelly during that entire time was so uh, social media savvy. Like she was always telling me, like because we have put kids at the yeah. same school, uh-huh. so I see. I would. I'll see her at school, you know. And during that time, she'd be like, "What did you hear about?" Her? And she like she's like knows all these things going on online that I have no idea. Like I would post she stuff is, on Facebook, yeah. and I would say, yeah. and I you know I would see Noah's posts, and uh-huh. I was like, and I would you know say, "Hey, watch the show," you know. But yeah. I, I just she was like had like nine different platforms that she was yeah. like <laughs> Facebook page yeah. and her Facebook yeah, personal yeah, yeah. profile, Tumblr, Twitter, and yeah, this, yeah. You know, it, it is hard to keep up with. Yeah. I'll tell you because there's a new because now now as my stepdaughter says, Facebook is for old people. Yeah, so it's like okay, great, thank you. That's and what twi- I'm understanding yeah. from people because yeah. like all these kids are shifting to things that their parents can't watch them communicate. Yeah, exactly, on, you, know? you know. So, so Snapchat's big, and I'm sure there's another one out there that I don't even know yeah, about. I'm sure, you know, all, there's always something. Yeah, it's like now, like if I when I finally got on Instagram, usually I can get Audrey Kearns right away because there's not many Audrey Kearns out there, and. um if I'm not right away on social media, there's just one Audrey Kearns in Ireland. She oh, really? keeps beating me to get that into Audrey Kearns. Stupid bitch. I'm going to take, <laughs> take care of that Irish bitch. <laughs> All right. So I, 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 need to be able to, I need to stop just for a moment yes. and compliment you on your segue. Thank I you. I really think Thank that you. the way that you connected those two projects was both fascinating and obscure uh-huh. in, a, in a way that always fascinates and always keeps people, you know, on the edge of their seat. Anyway, go on. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm writing a paper on segues I'll probably never publish because I'm too insecure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you in advance. I'm sure it'll be ho- awful. Just okay. Horrible. Thank you. So, Thank you for the yeah. encouragement. So I won't even do it. 
<laughs> Great. So Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them um, is the latest in the Harry Potter universe yeah. uh, from J.K. Rowling. and Baby. Um, uh, before we talk about it, were you a Harry Potter fan? Are you a Harry Potter fan? Has well, your son watched the movies? Yes. Um, I, of course, had seen the movies in the theaters as they came out and mm-hmm. loved them all, but yeah. hadn't read the books. My wife had read all the books mm-hmm. like in it, well before it was, had even become a, she had Her big thing was like, I read Harry Potter before. And they were even thinking yeah, yeah, of yeah, making yes, a yes, little yes. movie. <laughs> yeah. you know? And my son... Um, is a reader, but he, that's, it's a little above his pay grade. Right. Regular, you know, I mean, some kids his age are reading that kind of stuff, but he's reading a lot of, he likes, reads a lot of comics and he reads graphic novels and he reads like, and he's, he's into, you know, uh, non-fictional books about how things work and stuff like that. And, and, you know, the craziest animals in the world. Yeah. Yeah. He's that kind of, he's like an engineer kid, which we love, but, um, So yeah, I so I was into it, but I wasn't like a freak about it, right? You know, and I knew that the freak world was out there, and I was excited about that because I mm-hmm. thought, ooh, there's a whole freak yeah. world of people of freaks that love this, and and so that and that was uh, that was uh, that audition. Yeah, so tell me about the audition. Well, it was with Tannis Valley, who I think is one of the greatest cast directors in town. Now, it was filmed in London, but the audition was fil- here. The, well. Uh, Fiona Weir is the casting director in London. She's the primary casting director. But I auditioned at Warner Brothers with Tannis Valley, who is a wonderful uh, casting director over there, who was casting uh, Americans for the project for for Fiona. And and she was just like, oh, my God. I just have never had an audition like that that was so relaxed and great. Like, because she spent like 25 minutes with me. Oh, that's So she taped, you know, it was a tape. She taped it. She taped a little interview, like two, three minute interview. And then we read and we, I read, did three different reads. And each time she's like, well, do you got another, I said, yeah, I got another idea. I got to listen to me. And I, I kind of was excited. I was like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, there's, I've got another angle on this I could do. And I hadn't even thought of this before the audition. So I did like three reads and she was, and then she shut the camera off and then she sat there and talked to me for 18 minutes. Just she and I, uh-huh. not even being sent to London for anything. Just like, and I just have to shout out to her to say, you know, she made me feel so comfortable and she brought out the best of me because of the way that she worked with me in the room. And I know cast managers have a very difficult job, so you don't have time to do that kind right. of work with people right. in most audition situations, especially for TV and stuff like that. Right. But this is a film, and film auditions, there's a little more of a, you know, they have more available time, you know. And I, you know, I walked out of her office, and there was a woman sitting there waiting. I don't know how long she'd been waiting, you know, poor woman, you know. But uh, so, yeah. And then, um, you know, I heard, you know, a few weeks later, I think that, you know, my my agent's like, "There's an offer coming in for," you know. I'm oh, like, wow. "You've got to be shitting me, really!" <laughs> wow. I mean, I felt good about the audition, but I thought, "Oh my god, this was is this just about such a year a huge... ago." Or... Yeah, this is like, uh, l- yeah, a little less than a year ago, uh-huh. actually. Um. And so then, you know, the whole process began of, you know, uh, dealing, negotiating, and then, and then, you know, going to, going to London. And then the shoot was, you know, up north in the, the, the studios where they shot uh, the, the 007 movies and recently shot Tarzan and, and, um, oh, which David Yates did. Yeah, David the Yates. Direct, yeah. Director. And it's just yeah. this massive studio out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know, and you stay at this fantastic, this beautiful hotel where they have like G8 summits and stuff like that because it's so remote <laughs> right. and it's surrounded by these gigantic golf courses so they can be defended uh-huh. easily, you know. Right. But, and I, I, after three days, and it was an incredible privilege, but I just started joking after three days that it was, I was in a luxurious prison because, <laughs> because, 
because to get anywhere, you know, I yeah. had to like, uh, but, but then I fell in love with it because I was walking to town. The, the nearest town was like two and a half miles and I would walk along these English channels and, oh, and all these channel, these little English sort of man-made channels with houseboats in them. And the houseboats are all shaped like cigars. They're like six feet wide and like 35 feet long so they can pass each other. In oh, because the they're so narrow. So so narrow. Yeah. So the channels are like 20 feet wide or whatever. And they have all these locks, and and it was just, and it was just very. Basically, where I was staying was the absolute American conception of the bucolic English countryside in its most, yeah. like just it was exactly what you would imagine in your head if you were thinking right. bucolic English they countryside. Gave that to you. <laughs> yeah, they gave they, it. They, they handed me on a platter. <laughs> yeah, so I went in, you know, and I, I and I was there for nine days before I shot. I was, wow. yeah, I was there. For, I was there for a couple of weeks and. I how had, long was a? Sh- how long did you shoot for him? A few days. Yeah, just yeah. And it, um, it, I, you know, I did. Uh, I, you know, I had my wardrobe, and then I had met David, and I had my my mustache fitting, and this and that. You mustache know, fitting. Yeah. I love it. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. All I can tell you about that. that. Um, no, <laughs> and and I was, you know, was they had this beautiful set that I worked on yeah. that was my office yeah. in it. And, oh, I love that universe. You know, I, I really I, do. It was it's, so great. I mean, I I felt so. It was so wonderful to be working on something that had like just gigantic resources and you walk into this thing they've built for you and you're like, oh my God, this is just meticulous. Yeah. Like everything down to the last detail is perfect, right, you, know? you know, and, um, and that was really fun. Well, and, one thing I love about JK Rowling's work is she comes up with the, 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 the best names yeah. for her characters, you mm-hmm. know, and so your name is really, is Gilbert Bingley? Is yes. that how I say it? Yes. I, I, I read family. it. I was like, that's, that's a, a fantastic- total J.K. I mean, Rowling name. And that's the thing about, like, as an actor, when yeah. you see Gilbert Bingley, you're uh-huh. like, I know what, I know exactly who this person is. Right. Like, you're already 50% done with mm-hmm. it. I mean, not in all cases, but in some cases, that if the name is that distinct, you're like, okay, uh-huh. I know who this person is already. Right. You know? And, uh, you know, it was, the set was wonderful. David Yates was, fa- David Yates, the, one of the funniest things happened, two weeks before I got there, I got a call from David Yates- uh, assistant, or first my agent said, uh, David Yates' assistant's going to call you. I was like, oh, okay, great. Uh, okay, I'll mm-hmm. make sure that I have mouth washed. And, um, <laughs> and he calls, he says, uh, Mr. Yates, we'd like to talk to you next week on Thursday at like 10 a.m. Is that okay? I was like, absolutely, it'd be great. So I'm like, the, the call's coming, and it's like a week away, and I'm preparing. I'm like researching yeah. his films and right, re- looking, right, making right. sure I've seen all the movies and done all this stuff and know things about it. And I've taken notes and everything because I just don't want to be an idiot when right. he calls, you know, and I don't know what he wants to talk about, you know. So he calls me and he's, hello, Peter, how are you? It's, uh, I was just want to let you know I have a wonderful set of her and everyone's so wonderful. It's just going to be a lot of fun. And, and I just wanted to tell you, we love what you did at the audition and uh, we just want you to come and, and we'll just play and we'll have a good time. And, and, um, and I said, well, is there anything you would like me to, he says, do you have any questions for me? And I said, is there anything you'd like me to think about or work on before I leave? And he goes, you know, I just, I don't really want to give you any notes because I'm, I don't oh. want to muss you up, you know. And I think I, you brought this, this humor to it in the audition that other people didn't. And it was very nice, you know. And so I was, so he was just very sweet to me. And he said, just come and we'll, we'll play with so it. So he was basically we'll calling to say, hey, and welcome. Checking in. Yeah, he was, tell, he was calling to welcome yeah, me and he was checking nice. in and he wanted to yeah. make sure that everything was okay. And, uh, you know, it was like a five minute, 10 minute call tops, you know, uh, and I, you know, he's, I said, I love the period. He's like, yes, it's a wonderful name. And he said, you fit right in visually. Yeah. You're just, you know, and I was like, I, that's, I feel grateful for that. I feel uh-huh. like I could be in any film that was shot in the twenties or the forties, yeah. you yeah. know, with the yeah. right haircut, you know? And, uh, you know, and then I went and I, I mean, 
you know, I had wonderful experiences like actually having a conversation with, you know, the <laughs> Eddie, with Eddie Redmayne. You did like, get to. And then yeah. the first five minutes of the conversation is, I'm having a conversation with Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> oh, now I'm listening to him after five minutes. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what he's <laughs> talking saying, about. Yeah, because <laughs> No, but I mean, he was really a delight. Did you love your costume? Did you love, was it like really nice and tailored? For you or everything is beautiful on those kinds of shoots. Oh, yeah. Wow. Everything yeah. is dreamy. Yeah. You know, and, and you you look great, you feel great. Mm-hmm. And uh and everybody is a pro. Yeah. You the know? set the, it was a really great vibe on yeah. the set. Everything. everything. Yeah. Everybody was was great and yeah. and it was all high high class and highly professional and uh That's great. And yeah, and, and you know, and it, I loved my costumers and my makeup artists, those those people were wonderful too and right. told a lot of fun stories and you know that it's so funny cuz you go in and you work for a couple of weeks or whatever you're there for but these people have been you know there for a few months before you got there mm-hmm. and they're going to be a few, there a few right. months after you leave you know right right you know I went to London a few times because I had all this time but I didn't want to go crazy cuz I wanted to be ready and I was on hold a few days right, and then it was right. like oh you're not working today but I'd be ready to work but then they wouldn't work you know because which is just how it goes you know uh-huh. and so I went to London and I saw a player too and I explored and I don't have a problem with doing a lot of stuff on my own I mean I get a yeah. little lonely after a while but initi- but for the first week and a half I was okay I missed right. my wife and my son a bit but I was yeah kind of exploring as much as I could and resting and getting great thing to be able to do while you're doing a film. Now, since you come in and you do one part, which Mm -hmm. isn't the entire film, um, with big movies like this, um, do you get to read the entire script or are you only reading what you do? They did send me, they did give me the entire script. Yeah. Yeah. And they give it to you in this sort of secured way. Right. Right. So you can't be doing anything else with it. Do you have to hand it back to them and they burn it or do you have it in a vault? Well, no, it's one of those, it's one of those (laughs) things they send where it's like a, it's a, you know, you put, they send it to you and you have a code and you, and you, and you go into it and every time you go into it, you have to put the code in. So they can and And you're not, so it's almost like you're watching, you're reading it remotely. Like it's never on your computer, you know? Oh, that's smart. uh, Which is smart of them. Yeah. Yeah. um, And then, you know, and and there's a time limit to how long you have access to it. You know what wow. I mean? Like it's it's this many weeks or whatever. Right, and after, right. after those weeks, you don't you can't your code doesn't work anymore. Kind of right. thing. Right. Uh, so, but of course, I got my pages. Like when I was there, I yeah. got actual hand yeah. pages. But I, you know, I I gotten yeah. I basically had gotten page you know my own individual pages before. Right. But but the script in total, it was a very big secret and still is. Well, I would, they, of course I won't ask you about that. But but what, did you read it and did are you excited about it? Oh my god! Yeah, it's. Really fun. Yeah, yeah I can't it's wait. Really I just exciting. love that universe. It's so a much. really neat. I mean, it's a neat story, you know. Um, and uh, it takes place. You know, the thing that every. I'm, I mean, I'm saying things that everybody knows. This yes. one takes place in New York in the yes. 20s. You yeah. know, yeah. yeah, But it's still the world of. It's still Harry Potter's yeah. magical. But we world, get to we know? get to find out a little bit about the American American Wizarding World, which we haven't exactly. known about, and we learn about the Wizarding Some con- of the terms Congress. Terms are different and stuff the, like that is, too. Is it pronounced no Maj or no Madge? The um the, instead of I read instead of muggles in this film Americans don't use the term muggle they say no maj or no mag yeah like no magic they yeah. can't do mag yeah yeah which do you know which it is no mag the second no, one no mag yeah okay I was yeah. just curious yeah that makes sense no magic yeah 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 yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it sounds very it's, it would certainly be an American way to do it <laughs> to hit it on the nose like that exactly not the, come the up no with mag. like it's like what the hell does muggle mean <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here was J K Rowling ever on set. 
No, I never met uh, her. Was, yeah, she wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I mean, she might have been there another day, but but yeah, I was know, just not curious. For me. Like, and it, it's it's funny, like too, you know, because you know this this studio was very large, and they had done lots of interesting movies there, you know, and there were remnants of other sets there and stuff like that that were just mm-hmm. you know, gig, you know, monolithic, yeah. you know, and uh, and so they, you know, they went to a lot. They went to a lot of trouble. That's for sure. Well, as, they as had you the assume, money too. Yeah, because they know that yeah. they know that this is going to make money, and yeah. you know that's why they're doing three films yeah. of it. Um, well, here you are, and now you're going to be a part of another huge fandom. You know, yeah. like probably this one's going to be even bigger yeah, and, think, and more hardcore. Yeah, maybe, yeah. You know, because yeah. I, w- I just have you Googled your name and Gilbert Bingley. And I haven't piece. actually. Well, I was trying to because you know I was re- mm-hmm. preparing for my interview, sure. which I am want to do. Wonderful. You know, thank you. And um, those uh, a lot of Harry Potter sites came up, fan sites mm-hmm. saying um, Peter Breitmeyer has been cast as a character named uh, Gilbert Bingley. We have no information about this character, but we do know that he has been cast and he will be filming in London. And they write a whole paragraph that says absolutely nothing yeah. about what, but they're so excited that they know somebody. So you're already in all these, like in, in the official wiki and all these fan yeah. wikis as wow. Gilbert yeah. Bingley. So you're forever. Like I did two long, I did, no, I did it under five on that TV show, Angel, mm-hmm. you know? and I'm, I did, too. You did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Many well, years ago, yeah. You're forever in that fandom, too. I mean, if, Really? If, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, and and I was basically cut out, you know? Uh-huh. I, it's like, it blink and you'll miss me. You hear me talking, but it's like going over a crowd scene because they edit it, you yeah. know, which happens a lot. But still, you know, I had someone... Mm-hmm. Uh, find my email and ask me for an autographed headshot. And it's like, I remember you so well from the end. It's like, that's bullshit because the character I played was called young woman. (laughs) You know, and I wasn't even in there. I remember you young woman. (laughs) So So well. well. Oh, so well. But those are, those are such, um, uh, uh, strong, uh, fandoms. Are you excited about that? Um, I, I am. I, I kind of, it's so funny. I've never been one to, I don't know why this is. This is an oddity about me. I've had situations, for instance, where I'll be on a show, like I'll be on CSI or I'll be on this, and the episode will come and go, and I'll be like, oh, God, I was I was on that episode last night, wasn't I? Like, I, <laughs> like I won't always right, be on right. it, you know? I'm not the best at prom- – like, I'm trying to get better at sort of making people aware of the work I'm doing and stuff right, like that. Right, right, right. Um, because my assumption sort of always ends up being like, well, you know, if they like the show, they'll <laughs> – it's just like I don't know, but I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be like. I'm not trying to do false modesty. I'm just saying it's a characteristic of mine where I need to like. I yeah. don't pay as much attention as I should, and so the fandom thing stuff, like all the stuff that was around Fargo, was all exciting. But I didn't. I I I was like getting it secondhand, like from Kelly or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's great, you know. Right, right. But I don't go on like every once in a while. I would go on and sort of I would look at stuff that Noah was posting or look at um, some different, you know, this and this and that. But I. I just didn't, it, it didn't, what interested me, and honestly, I'm not trying to sound what he said, but what really interested me was the project, was going in and doing this really fascinating, like doing these fascinating projects. Like I even, like I was in the middle for recurring and it's just this really fun, great comedy, you know, with Patty Heat and those guys. And they're, oh, they the middle? Just, yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, and they're, and, and my family loves that show, yeah. you know, and it was really fun to do that, you know, yeah. but it's like, to me, I love just going in and doing the work and, and then... I catch myself out 
uh, you know, on uh-huh. TV or I can't, like I'm, for Fargo, like I had a whole thing at my house. I had, I, sh- I projected it on an outdoor screen and had people over every week uh-huh. between like 18 to 30 people sitting in my yard, you uh-huh. know, watching it as it was being played, you know? Right. And so sometimes I get, I mean, for that kind of thing, I was very, very excited, you know? Uh-huh. And for the, and for like the Coen Brothers movie, Serious Man, like there's, I don't get a, I don't get real nervous. I don't certainly don't get nervous for commercial auditions anymore. And for theatrical, I get just the right amount of even preparing for nerves that know, help you. Nerves that help yeah. me, but but there's certain projects where you really, really, really want it. Mm-hmm. And so normally I prepare, I go in, I do my best, and then I go have lunch. And I try not to do the you know beat right. yourself up on the way to the car or thinking for ten minutes right, about oh right. I could have done that or I could have done that because hopefully you've done the work enough that you that you did that stuff when you were in the room so you can mm-hmm. feel good when you leave you know but there's certain things that you're sort of like you really do ruminate and like right. God man this would be great to get <laughs> you know this is a fantastic <laughs> these directors fantastic like I you know I did the Clint Eastwood movie Changeling and that was like another one where I thought you know uh, you know. It's like if I can get in this because he's a legend, you know. Yeah. No matter what you think of his politics, the guy's—he yeah. was a great guy. He was really nice to me, and he was—and it was an interesting. Movie I heard that about him on set that he's like a really nice. Oh, he's great. Nice. You know, nice he's a—he's another. You know, he's yeah. got the most. He's got—it's the most. He—he he and the Coen Brothers. The sets are so. Uh, the the pro the pro level uh-huh. is so extreme that it's there's no yelling there's no voices raised of any kind it flows <clears throat> You know, mm-hmm. for the changeling, that you know, we had like he had these huge lights, and they they one of them deflated in the middle. We had four hundred extras, and we're shooting this big scene, mm-hmm. and it's all nineteen twenty six or whatever, and this light deflated and the lights started coming down, you know, uh-huh. before they could start shooting, and there wasn't like get the blah 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 blah. It was just like. Immediately, people shot into action. Took care of the problem. Took care of the problem. You know, we, we, you know, Clint stood around and talked to the extras and talked to people and made jokes for like 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden, and then somebody came up to him and said, he said, Uh okay, we're ready to go. Yeah. You know, and it was just like slick as shit. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And I I just like, I like that, you know, people reuse a lot of the same people over and over and over again because they Uh like to work a certain way and they know that people are going to be ready and, so yeah, and there's trust. And I don't know how I got off on this, but no, but it's you know. fascinating. It's it's no. it's absolutely fascinating. I know we're running out of time, but I so. wanted to ask you. Um, uh, you were talking about commercials, and so you've done a string of commercials for Progressive and the mm-hmm. pro- pro- Progressive campaign. Is yep. that another company? It's an agent from another, yeah, the Another Insurance Company. The Another Insurance. We've insur- done like Brad and I have done like eighteen commercials at right, this point. Right, and yeah. you've done a few of them with Stephanie Courtney, who who yep. plays almost yeah. Most Flo. of ours are with Steph. Yeah, who now, we love, but she's great. She's great. Um, now she, like you, is just you know an amazing improviser. Um, on, are, do they stick to the script? The script a lot on the progressive commercials. Well, they skip like they stick to the body. Yeah, I mean, though there's improvising inside the body sometimes too, and they're always changing. Like you know, they stick to the, but it's it's the tags, uh-huh. it's the endings that get shifted. Like we'll do, you know, Brad and I'll do twenty different endings or 20 different combinations of endings, you know, for the end of a spot, you know. Um, but so a lot of the body of it will stay the same because it's the information about the product, right, of course. Right, And even for her, it, it's it's a certain thing. And But they, they're always rewriting on set, first progressive. They're constantly yeah. rewriting things. They're constantly changing. They're constantly... And the director, we've gone... We've, we've Brad and I've worked with two primary... Primarily just two directors. Uh-huh. And the first, like, you know, nine spots, we work with one guy. And now we're working with another guy. And they're both great in their own right. And... Um, 
and they, you know, sometimes they let us go. And sometimes he's got a list of things that he wants us to try. And, uh-huh. and then in the middle of that, we'll say, well, well, how about this, though? What about this one? Did yeah. you think of this? And it's like, oh, yeah, do that one, you know? And, you know, as with many commercials, you have a lot of fun on the set. You do a lot of stuff that is hilarious. Uh-huh. And then when the commercial comes out, it's kind they of it's kind of milk toast. Yeah. yeah. It's still funny, but yeah. it's sort of milk toast, you know? Yeah. And that's just the nature of, you know, the, yeah. the, the level of risk taking, taking is just so much. And this and is not this is not like a jab at the people that are producing wrestling because these commercials are really funny and people love them. But yeah. they have a job to do too. And it's like it's like we, we can't use that ending because yeah. it's too just it doesn't it distracts from what we're trying to do or it's just too right. much or whatever. Right. But we sure have a lot of fun on set doing all the different endings, you know. Well, at, <laughs> least, you, at least you can go yeah. to that job and have, have a great oh, time yeah, and great. play. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Everything. And sometimes they do use like the, yeah. the create that more outlandish stuff every yeah. once in a while. You're like, oh, look at that. They edited it in. That's great. <laughs> you know? So what, what, here's a question. Um, if you're, say, at Ralph's, which is our grocery store, Ralph's or Vaughn's or a grocery store, and you were to get recognized, would it be more often at, from the progressive commercials or as Lieutenant Schmidt? What do you think? What do you think? I'm going to say the progressive commercials. Of course. Yeah. 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 Because it's in people's face it's, all, it's all day, the time. every day. Yeah. You know, it's on, it's on cable channels and it's on network, and, or as my friend Amy calls it, old lady TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, and, and so it's like, it's always the progressive uh-huh. thing. And the thing is, initially, you know, like, you know, it's just so stupid because initially you're like, oh, didn't you see me on Fargo? She's <laughs> Would you like I'm to see my resume? I mean, do I have a reel I can show you? I have like a comedy reel and a drama reel. I do stage as you well. And- I did a movie called Big Guns. Do you want to see that? You know, I did this movie called Coffee Kill Boss, which I think is like some of my best work I've ever right. done. Nobody's fucking seen Coffee Kill Bosses. You can buy it on iTunes. You know what I mean? But it's like a Eddie, everyone you know, go see please. Coffee Kill Eddie Boss. Jameson is in it. Yeah. Chris Wilde. You know uh, Zibby Lou. Like there's all these great people in it. But uh, it's like, but nobody's seen it. You know. Uh, and so it's like, so like you, you kind of like you, pl- you know, you're like a little pouty, like, well, you're not recognizing me for the things I want you to recognize me for. My work. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, progressive is my work. I yes. mean, we, you know, it's it's fun work, yes. and we, and we're Brad and I couldn't be more grateful for it and happier to be oh, involved. You. you know, we have, we, and we're friends. We were yeah. friends before we. Were, we oh, really? Yeah, it's one of those. That's great. It was one of those unusual situations where we got cast, and did you actually get teamed up at the audition? No, he, I got cast, and then he got cast separately. And um, we didn't know. And oh, then wow. two days before we shot, we found out that it was the two of us. And we were like, giddy at schoolgirls, let's carpool, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to the shoot. It's in Long Beach. Oh, good. It's even a longer drive, you know. And so, you know, so we started carpooling to the shoots and we would, you yeah. know, and and we're, we've been uh, we weren't as close a friend. We were we were friends in Minneapolis, but we became closer friends here. But then all of a sudden, we got this job, and it was like, and it was supposed to be just one spot. Yeah, you know, it wasn't and originally it was just uh, a one off. You know, so and then many. it became this thing. You know, and print and online and all. Yeah, yeah. All so that we were stuff, like yeah. all excited that we got to do. It. They did this ridiculous, hilarious industrial film for Progressive that was on the a website, the Progressive website for a while. I don't know if it's there. I don't think it's there anymore. But it was this exercise video that they had us doing, and uh-huh. honest to God, it was like fifteen minutes long, and it it was just one shot like it just kept going and going and it was just like and mostly no talking yeah like we're we're stretching and then we and then every couple of minutes 
they would kind of flash us from behind camera and we would shift to the other stretching position. Oh, wow. And there'd be some grunts and a couple little words in between, maybe. And it was just the most surreal. It was like a David Lynch thing on progressive side. And that was like just, and we, you know, and we're not in the best of shape. Right, right. I mean, we're healthy men, (laughs) but there's a certain Buddha aspect going on. You've got a dad And they had us in leotards, you know, so we've got like unitards on and we're stretching on the, you know. Well, they've, they've done, you know, now that the, the I got to say about the progressive commercials, now that they've gone on, they've gotten super creative. The ones they did with stuff uh, oh, yeah. oh, the, over Christmas with her playing every character in that the family. Spot, I was like, oh my God. I just texted her about that the yeah. other day saying, you are a god for yeah. that. That's so funny. Her playing like the five different family That's members. Fantastic. They, yeah. I have to hand it to them. They have been incredibly creative with those spots. And some people come down like, I don't get the one where she's out in the rain and, he, and it's like, I don't. Screw you. It's great because they're doing different stuff. You know, everything doesn't have to be on the nose. Everything doesn't have to be, you know, it's like they're still getting their message across. Everybody knows. Like there's, you know, there's Flo uh, uh, Halloween costumes. Little girls dress up as Flo. I mean, come on. you know, getting in touch with people from high school. There's this girl... I know from high school. I haven't told yeah. her I know Stephanie because I think it'd be really, really weird. But um, she works at Progressive, and every year they have their Halloween party, and she dresses as Flo every year. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, the girl that lived across the street from me for ten years is dressing up yeah. like somebody I know. For think Halloween. about it. It's a corporate <laughs> insurance character, yes. and people yes. are, are. She's become an American it's iconic. icon. Yeah. It's iconic. It's, yeah. it's 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 crazy. So yeah. what's on the horizon for you now? Do you have anything coming um, up? Or? Just you know. Uh, I had, you know, this pilot season was a little, hmm, hmm. Um, yeah. It was okay. But, um, and just continuing to uh, audition for upcoming projects. And I'm probably doing a play this fall with a friend of mine who I've worked, who we've produced together before called uh, 10 out of 20, mm-hmm. or a ten, uh, 10 out of 12. Sorry. It's about, it's a, it's basically the play is a play within a play. It's a tech rehearsal that the audience is sitting through a tech rehearsal and nice. everybody's wearing headsets. You know, that's the plan. The plan uh-huh. is to, to do that in the fall. And then I've got these other, these writing projects, these, script projects that I'm working on, you know, one's at an outline stage with this guy, mm-hmm. uh, this, this art caper and the other one is full uh, completed and I'm trying to kind of get, get people to see it. But, uh, and then just trying to, you know, get my own writing going, you know, yeah. so get beyond yeah. the, the, the slate, the slate yeah. does the burn. I've got a few different burners going, Yeah, but as far as like, uh, on camera stuff, um, I'm just kind of like a lot of other journeyman actors. I'm out there, you know, hoofing it right. and auditioning and stuff like that. Right. And uh, nothing in the immediate horizon, but I do work regularly. But you never know. You could yeah. get a call when you leave today. Yeah. And you'll I mean, be, I, get, I work you know? pretty regularly. So I, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, so it's. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, I'm very, that's that's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what's your, what's your favorite uh, Prince song? Or do you have one? Well, I mean. If you like, that's such a hard question because there's probably that's a, million. a really hard like, question. Like, shoot off three or four that that you love. Well, I mean, I love Purple Rain. Uh-huh. I love the the whole Purple Rain album is because that's from my like my childhood, right? Right. You know, um, I mean, what can I say? Like, I mean, I'm now I'm getting heartbroken just thinking about it. I mean, because well, I'm 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 gonna play it out. What are your What are your favorites? Um, it's gonna be anything from Purple Rain, like you said, because that's mm-hmm. you know when I grew up, and then like. Um, and then, like, I, this is for serious, because that's proper grammar. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, three or four days ago, I um, was like, I'm in the mood to listen to Alphabet Street. Yeah. And because I just love that song. So I just downloaded that one song and I played it and I went for a walk and played it like 10 times over on my walk. Yeah. So that's 
was the latest one that was in my head. Yeah. You yeah. know, but yeah, I'm, I'm at where he's going to be missed, it, but you know, it's like, he's got a large enough, like I have to go back and listen to things that I haven't listened to forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, and, and the thing is he used to be part of my regular rotation and then he's kind of, you know, you kind of go to these other things and they can, so yeah. now I feel like I want to put them back in. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I think yeah, a lot yeah. of people will be because yeah. this is going to bring up a lot of uh, yeah. emotions. Well, Peter, thank you so much for coming over. It was and really, doing this. really fun. Oh, I'm so glad you I'm enjoyed so glad. it. And I'm so glad you kneeled the whole time. Thank I, you. Of course. For, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. and, and thank you for the knighthood. And oh, uh, you you're know, next time you could use a little bit less sharp blade, but it's okay. okay. You know, my shoulders. Well, I've got, I gave it. you a band aid. And the knee pads. Yeah. We're okay. Well, the, you know, that was by suggestion. I've, <laughs> I've permanently injured some of my guests, so I, I give knee pads. These are hard. And I am, I am a ex-Catholic, so I'm used to the cushioned pews. Yeah, yeah. You know, so <laughs> I have those kneeling boards for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you so much.
supplicants, you may now rise. The merciful Odd has chosen to spare you. Please exit the internet to your left.